Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind the scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menunos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Yes. Welcome to the After Buzz TV's True Detective After Show. I'm going to let the music breathe a little bit, but... Because it's the last time we're going to hear it. (laughs) Swan song. Swan song. Oh, I'm going to miss it terribly. I do miss that theme song already, though. It's an excellent theme song. I will say very good theme song. The music was excellent too, I believe, in this. I thought so. Yeah. Um, We're here to talk about True Detective episode 8 Omega Station. Uh, We have a full panel here, but for maybe the first time all season? No. Second time. Third time. Second time. Third time? Third time. (laughs) Third time. Don't get cocky, Flippo. Don't get crafty, people. Uh, As you can see or see or hear, we're joined by my man, Joe Sanfilippo. Good to see you, Flippo. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't know it was suit day. I wish you guys would call me if it was suit day. But I'm not wearing a suit. It's suit day every day for Ben Bateman. That's true. I've never seen Ben outside of a suit. (laughs) Uh, and we're also joined by Julie Carley. How are you, Julie? Hello, I am well. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hello. Yes, gentlemen. And also Ben Bateman in a suit. I'm in a suit. What's up, guys? How's everybody? I'm in a suit. I'm, it's not, Wear it's a, the suit well. Yes. It's a 90-minute episode today, guys. I suggest we get into it, okay? There's a lot to talk about. And I'm Joe Braswell. I'm here, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, lots to get into this episode. We want to just basically sort of break this up into three parts, this podcast. We want to talk about kind of like the crime piece, like what happened, because there was, there was a lot happened here, like crime-wise, and a lot of... Um, parts sort of came together. So we're going to walk through it. You did it last week when I was on the phone mm. and I was calling from space. Yep. Um, <laughs> underwater. Underwater. <laughs> but, Apologize to uh, the kids for that. Yes. <laughs> but um, you, but we're going to get to it then. Then we, then we can break into sort of what's going on with the characters themselves, what happened in the episode. Yeah. And then after that, we can get into what we thought of season two, what we thought the problems were, what we thought they did right, what went wrong. I know we all have some very, very serious opinions about this. Very, I know Joe has some, some strong opinions about this as have well. Have you read Variety? Uh, Variety has some strong opinions, everyone too. Everyone has some strong opinions about this, yeah. but, you know, we'll see. Variety I, breaks I, their opinions up into seven parts. I will say, I will say, I, I said all along that, you know, this is the two things that we wanted to try to keep saying over and over again, which is, A, this is season two, not season one. It's very hard not to, you know, compare season two to season one. Yeah. They're not, it's not apples and apples, same writer, but it's not apples and apples. So, you know, season one was great. Most people thought so. Um, and then also, this was an eight-hour movie, eight-and-a-half-hour movie, actually. Yep. So let's let this thing play out for eight and a half hours. We got our full eight and a half hours. We can now take a step back from it, look at the eight and a half hours, and and say, what do we think? So I think that's what we're going to do in the back half. But before we do that, let's get into actually the crime piece, because Nick Pizzolatto is a crime writer. He writes about crime, 
first, and then he writes about sort of people who solve these crimes or involve these crimes second. I think that he does both those things very well. He writes great characters, I think, in general. Um, these broken characters who come together. He writes great crime stuff separately. In this instance, um, putting those two together, well, I mean, you know, it, a lot happened. We have a lot of characters and a lot of crime. So I'll start with you, Ben. What happened? <laughs> So let me get this straight. So there was a robbery <laughs> in 1992. Let's see if I can get this straight. Okay. Uh, I ran the a little bit last, last week about this. So yes. One more time. What I think happened, chronologically, yeah. unless you want to go with like the Shasani family and Vinci just being like a powerhouse in that area, long before the 1992 robbery. But oh. starting with the 1992 robbery, okay. uh, I believe Ben Casper was having uh, an affair of some kind or some sort of relationship with the owner of this jewelry store. Right. And um, he, she was pregnant with his child. And during some riots, he two cops, Burris and Holloway, both of whom were the two gentlemen we saw in tonight's episode at the train station, uh, they executed at gunpoint the pregnant woman that Casper was having an affair with, as well as her husband. Right. While the two... Does that make sense, actually? I'm just Because I thought both kids were watching, and I thought she was pregnant with one of the kids. That she was pregnant with their second illegitimate child. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Laura was his first illegitimate child okay. with her. So... The two children, who we have now seen grown up in this season, watched as this execution happened. Now, the, the purpose of the robbery was to get these fancy blue diamonds. Yes, that so were valued they, at two and a half million dollars. Right, to, to have them, or was it was it with a view to do what they did in the future, which is buy into this railway? I mean, what, what, what I believe happened was that the diamonds were supposed to be their way to buy into the Vinci underbelly, which was eventually going to finance it. this railway. Got it. To buy their piece. Yes, um, and. Because of the public nature of the execution of Ben Casper found on the side of the road in episode one, th- that's what stirred the pot. And why they when we say they, just to be clear, we're talking about our our, our people, uh, Burris and right? Holloway, and, and Holloway, right? Yeah. So if anybody's confused, Burris is the guy that killed t- uh, Taylor Kitsch, and Holloway's the guy with the with the awesome hair, yeah, mm-hmm. which looks like it has been changed since 1992. Yes, he's <laughs> a guy that I'm going 1972. Yeah. <laughs> he came from Holloway. Yeah, look, at my, look at my dad had that hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that hair comes with some wooden shoes and a light-up dance floor. <laughs> we, we go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, unfortunately, he's a character that they decided to show us in episode one or two and then not bring back till episode seven uh, and not in uniform. So, yeah. I actually, when he came back, I actually didn't realize who he was at first. But uh, anyway, that's why the cover-up and all of these murders that we watched happen to frame Velcoro and everything, that's why it all happened, because it's to cover yeah. up the trail that started with this, pub- this execution to get these diamonds from crooked cops to buy into Vinci. That's where it all starts. I have a question. Were they just sitting on these blue diamonds for the last 20 plus years? Yeah, because there was no plan in 1992 for a a high-speed rail system. just holding on to them in case a railway corridor or something awesome came around? I got this idea that we're going to build a high-speed rail station. Nothing ever happened with the diamonds. They were with Casper. He had them. So if this was their way to buy into Vinci and to be muckety-mucks there, I mean, they didn't use the diamonds. What I think, and granted... This is one of those moments I just want to say to, to our fans, because uh, when I ranted on this last week, uh, I, I tried my best to get it all straight, but there was definitely a couple comments that were like, well, you missed this obvious thing that was right. this. And I was sort of like, well, I guess I did miss that obvious thing. I do my best. We all do our best. Of course. But, I mean, you guys just do you know, you do a lot of research, too, so maybe you catch them that I don't. But what I think happened is that he knew of these diamonds at the store. Casper, but he didn't own the diamonds. Right. So so Holloway and... and um, Burris stole the diamonds, and mm-hmm. I think because Casper was like a man about town in that neighborhood, 
he I, I think they moved the diamonds to him and sort of him holding on to him. He was built into that scene, which is I think he was sort of like their gateway in. Like I so, think he put him up to it is what I got. So here's so here's the thing. So by so by chance, because this, there's a lot a lot of chance things that happen here. So what but it's fine. So 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 men um, the fact that Ray, so the, the whole Frank, I'm sorry, the whole Frank storyline, yeah. uh, which is Frank trying to go straight, trying to buy his way into legitimate legitimacy by being part of this railway uh, through Casper. The whole fact that Casper screwed Frank and then got killed was a com- had nothing to do with that. That was total coincidence, yeah. right? coincidence, right? And then, not connected and to anything at all. Super all, coincidence. Also, also a coincidence. Uh, Ray, Ray Volcaro happened to be in Frank's pocket, and also. And uh, uh, as part of the Vinci PD, the very guys who stole the diamonds in the first place. Yes. yes. So Frank was caught between, coincidentally caught between the two worlds. I mean, uh, Ray was. Right? Yes. There okay. was a lot of coincidence in this crime. <laughs> sure. so, 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 Ray, so Ray's existence as a character uh, was he's tied to Vinci, to these guys, yep. and he's tied to Frank, and it just so happened there's a bunch of crap going on. Well, right? and Frank is tied to Vinci. And Frank's tied to Vinci. So he's in, that's another sort of way that he's in. Yeah. Got it. And then so now, when, the, when, when actually Casper is actually found, we get to Velcorum, so we get to uh, Bizzaretti's and Woodrow yes. because of the multi-jurisdictional thing, yes. you know, by, by chance, again, uh, Woodrow stumbles upon um, some, stumbles Casper's, upon Casper's body, body all, and who was found in Bizzaretti's jurisdiction. Ventura. So that's how this, so that's, that's how it feels one through four, we get these three separate cops working on this one case that had to be solved, right? Yes. So by episode four, we saw, we, we have the we have the shootout that happens in episode four, it sort of, in effect, solves the case itself. I'm confused in the shootout part. I know that the shootout was was um, they got a tip by Vinci Vinci PD. Mm-hmm. It, it, we know that we know now is dirty to squash the Casper case, so they can then handle it on their own. I assume. Yes, what I think happened was they say that that Emeria, who is the the crazy guy in the wife beater with mm-hmm. the gun, the huge gun, the, the, the last one, yes. yeah, the yucky. <laughs> Uh, he was picked up six years earlier by Burris and let off the hook with no with no penalty. Got it. So uh, evidence was inadmissible or something like that. So he got a tip from a dirty cop, which I think we're supposed to assume is Burris, got because it. Burris is the guy that knew him, which is why the shootout went that way. Right. And they knew they were coming. And I believe yeah. Teague Dixon, as I always refer to the heavyset cop who was sloppy, who took the shot to the head, Ouch. was. I think that was just like a happenstance shot to the head. He wasn't like supposed to be taken out. He right. just happened to get taken out. Well, were they all supposed to be taken out to put this whole thing to bed? So it's on oh. paper as the case is solved. Unfortunately, everybody died. Right. Well, there's really no way to lose, right? Because even if they, yes. no matter how you cut it, they ordered the, 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 the strike. So even if they all die, that's great. If they don't die, they're all screwed anyway because they have a huge black mark on the record. It, it, and either way, the, the case is solved because that guy's dead. There case was, is un- solved on paper. Got it. There was enough reason for hand slapping that I think they knew this you, you would be able to make uh, har, you know uh, judge judge these people and, and and harshly turn their careers or in the direction yeah. you want to to get them off the case. So that gets us out of episodes one through four, which is that we get why yeah. they're there and what's happening there. We do a lot of character building and get to know these characters, and we kind of get to know the world of Vinci. Then we get we, we get this crime, and then it's in effect solved. We do the time jump um, to some months later. And the three, the th- our three protagonists are now brought back together by um, Davis. By Davis, who's running a super double top secret um, investigation. investigation against the Vinci folks, right? Yes. Okay, so it brings them all together for for that, which they all agree to. Yes. Frank 
in this time later is still trying to claw his way back and get his way back up from, mm-hmm. the, from the from the money he got burnt from Casper. Yep, that's mm-hmm. how he's still involved. He's just trying to stay afloat, right? Just, just, just. just and just he hasn't given afloat. up hope, right? Of getting back into the real corridor. Okay, getting his piece. So all of this makes sense to me, kinda. But and I'm, I'm saying like I'm not I'm not making any judgment in the show because I actually enjoyed the the show. We'll talk about that later. But I'm just yep. I think the crime part was a, was very convoluted. I'm not the only one who said that. Sure. So I'm not like you know cheating on the show. I'm just trying to figure out what's happening. That's where we yeah we're just trying to clear yeah, up yeah. the storyline. Yeah, story sure. So um, here's where I get lost again though. The Black Mountain guys. Yeah. Like they were they they, they were working for another coincidence, I believe. Oh, another coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, those guys are hired. They were hi- no no they were hired by uh, Cas- Catalyst 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 which was the crooked company behind the railway mm-hmm. development right so they so were they were loaned out to the, to the cat to the, the what you call it, the Vinci guys right yes but I'm just saying I but, think but, it just so happened but, but, that yeah, Tim Riggins was that Taylor Kitsch was in Black Mountain and then also a cop involved with the investigation and then also the Black Mountain mercenaries were hired by this crooked company Catalyst because they're guys that apparently don't mind getting their hands dirty for for money that's right. what we're supposed to believe so they were willing to take this job uh that's what i think we're supposed to believe so, i think that's a coincidence so so Holloway chief, chief of police Holloway was actually chief of police and yep. lieutenant Burris were in bed with Catalyst yep and yes. so that's why they have access to the super secret Black Mountain guys because as they said when they were uh, interrogating Taylor Kitsch in the tunnels under Los Angeles, we were t- when we were tossing Dixon's place, we just happened to get lucky enough to come across these photos that he had mm-hmm. outside of our own investigation of right. the two of you guys getting it on. Yes. So I, they good. They were even aware of it. So it was I think entirely coincidental that the same mercenary organization that Taylor Kitsch was a part of was also hired by Catalyst, and then he was investigating Catalyst. But they had to know that he was a part of it because from the very first episode when he gets in trouble with the actress, um, the tabloids are printing it all over the place that he was part of Black Mountain. Yes. So yeah, but Black Mountain's since gone. But this was they changed their name. Yeah, but they changed their name. name, But they had to have known that he was involved. Right. So okay, so I, I would love to see the Pizzolatto like master board of, of how this all connects and yeah. how he wrote this, wrote this out. Okay, so yeah, the question I'm having, yeah, because it's seems- oh that makes sense. Actually, that just clicked. It. Yeah, they maybe hired Black Mountain because they knew he was previously because a part of Black Mountain. Know- like they knew him. Like they know they know the guy or something. That's a lot of so money to spend just people? to get rid of one guy. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so uh, they do that. So have Black Mountain and 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 uh, Woodrow are connected. That's how Woodrow's d- directly draw the line connected to Vinci. Mm-hmm. We know how Frank's connected. We know how uh, Bizzaretti's is, is connected. I assume. Do, how's Viz, I mean, how's Bizzaretti's? Bizzaretti's just purely also coincidence, coincidence that she finds herself in this whole mess in Vinci because she's way out in Ventura Cal- County, minding her own business, and now she's like smack dab in the middle of this Vinci thing. Is it only because of the Casper thing? Is it only coincidence? Well, she got thrown on to the case, right, jurisdictionally, and then not pulled off because it was supposed to be mucked up, and they were kind of tossing their three expendable cops into this thing that they assumed was going to explode. Well, as right. Originally, early. they wanted her to get intel on Ray. That's mm-hmm. right. Right. So that was her main purpose. In okay. being, I mean, she was there because of jurisdiction, but then they right. asked her to go, you know, dig on, dig into what Ray's been up to. Go, go, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Well, the interesting thing but is, but then I'm, I'm sorry. There's a lot yeah. of coincidence with her involved with her father and yeah. Pantica Pam. Pantica Pam. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? I don't Pantica know Pam. which one. Who? Her father's yes, uh, super hippie, sure, sure, sure. culty thing. And, uh, commune, if you will. Commune, which yes. has ties to Vinci and Chisani yeah. and Pitler yeah. and, and all those people as well. Family who. Just, you know. mm-hmm. Okay, so 
Okay, so that, that makes sense, I think. And so, um, so that's all. <laughs> no, the, 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 sure. the connections. The connections. Okay, so, um, what I'm trying, so what I'm getting at is there seems to be in the Pizzolato stuff some, always some higher, super high up force that's sort of puppet stringing the whole t- thing. And we, 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 it sort of hints at that, that there's like, it's all about the Chassanis and, 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 and catalysts that are really puppet mastering this whole thing, but kind of not really, because there's a lot more coincidence and sort of like chaos theory than there is actual puppet mastering, right? Sure. I mean, I have to make sure I'm not missing anything. Was there, was there a real puppet master or was it just like a lot of, like two bad guys up top and a lot of coincidences down here? Well, who was the highest member, like level of power that existed in the show that we actually ever saw? I think uh, we assumed. It was, it was, I probably was a similar Catalyst guy who was in here. McCandless. McCandless. McCandless was real high up. He we was high up. Osip was pretty Osip high, was high up. up. And then Tony Chisani. Tony Chisani, Tony Chisani right? Yeah. Those were like the biggest. Those are like the biggest names. I mean, aside from like maybe some p- politicians that were at the orgy that mm-hmm. we probably didn't really know very well, that you yeah. assume are pretty connected. Yeah. But so the characters that we actually knew, none of those three guys—McCandless, Tony Chisani, or Osip—are like true. Like I don't know. None of them felt like they were complete puppet masters. They were just pieces of the. Right. No, and and I think if there's anything you know to be said for it, I think that that's the idea. Is that is that there's not there's not some one guy you know holding the strings. There's everybody following their own best interests. Right. And then if the story's told well enough, it should it should lead to conflict because people are just pursuing their own best interests to you know to, to the sure. exclusion of everything else. And I think it leads to you know Chisani that that whole family ends up playing out like a like a royal like a royal dynasty. You know, like the, the 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 prince kills the king to become the king. I mean, that that all that all right. filled out, and and that, that worked. Um, yeah, I guess within the context of, of of what we're talking about. But I think that you know, I, yeah, you're right. I don't think there was an overarching. There was not a big bad. There was not right. like a uh, you know, you didn't get to the end of level one and then and then upgrade to you know. Yeah, you want to see. We were not playing uh, Super Mario Brothers. It yeah. was yeah. Who's, who's, who's the, the dinosaur king in Super Mario Brothers? I don't know. I was trying to think of Bowser? it too. Bowser. Bowser. Yeah, no, Bowser. 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 So let's get into this. So okay, so what? So we we we, we open with this. So now we've got got that out of the way. It took us about fifteen minutes to get that. No, no we we didn't finish it. No, we, didn't we, finish. Didn't. we have to no. go over what we have to go over the, what actually happened yes. with the, the tonight's episode, like the 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 bow on top. With the kids, I was going to get into the episode itself. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I was going to go from the, the back, the crime itself. I'm going to just use this as a segue to get into the episode. We can get into that. Sure. What we have sure, to talk sure. about the episode. Okay. So we have uh, the aftermath of Woodrow, uh, you know, being being shot, which he was dead this time. I mean, we, we I think there was a moment where we thought he can't die. No, and no. he did die. <laughs> oh, he did. He, yes, he died did. hard. Uh, and so we start with that. Um, you know. That was and so. Were, were we allowed to believe that that Annie and Ray were sort of just hiding out in the apartment in the, in the safe house, waiting to hear from Woodrow, and then they got tired and gave him a call. Is that what happened here? Yeah, I think so. No, okay, they weren't just hanging out. Well, they were, you know, like a baby. Exactly. Ray, Ray was hanging out. It was the yeah, classic? <laughs> it was the classic Terminator One scenario. We'll sleep together once, and you'll, you'll, that's that's obviously, and you'll obviously get pregnant. And that's you know what? what they say no. in sex ed. It so, only takes one. Listen, it's it, the old Kyle it, Reese. Some of those guys out there, they're sex snipers. One shot, one kill, done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> boom. Yeah. One shot, one kill. So they did that. Yeah, they, they, they did the, the, the Kyle Reese. Uh, Sarah Connor yeah. situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, so we have that. Uh, we, we we find out. This is where we really sort of find out yeah. that you know all, all the people we mentioned are are super super bad. Uh, you know, Lieutenant um, Burris and Lieutenant Dixon. Burris and Holloway. And Holloway, Holloway yeah. are actually the, the real guys. So then um, from there, so so after they after they have that you know they're they're, they're tryst and after they are found out. Um, from there, they get they they start to put together that the guy in the movie set 
Right. Okay, so this <laughs> was... Yeah, exactly. This was a jump. This was definitely that, that moment. No, no, no I'm, I'm serious. I've seen jumps before. I've seen jumps before. This was a flying leap from yeah. London that landed at JFK. Hold I'm on. not sure exactly how he skipped well, there, across there the Atlantic was, Ocean. Two, I will say, in episode two, there was a, there was a clue. There was a, there, there, in episode two, the mask was there in episode two when, he, when they visited the set and the set photographer was there. there I think the one of the crazy masks were at, was actually on the set to maybe give us the hint in the clue that someone in that set, uh-huh. not to carry Fuganaga, want to be... It was the mask of the person that Vesredis ran down, right? And yes. she almost got hit by a truck. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the same, that, that, that does no, no. Hey, man, you can't do it. That, you slipped in a toilet at Heathrow and you landed at the JFK. That's, that's, uh, that, is, that is the extent of that leap. I, the second episode in a row, by the way, where in one like sweeping 90-second bit of exposition, right. two people talking are supposed to just be like... Supposed to be like Oh my goodness, they're the same person. Yeah. We have our pictures it? of them as children. Oh, that must be Erica. Her name's not Laura. She goes by Erica. Oh, you, wait, she talked to a set photographer once. Erica and Leonard. That, Lenny. And they Let's look go alike. Find him. You call you call the lead. Don't look alike. You call the because call they're it. only no. half related. They don't, and, and, and have you seen pictures of the kids versus the adults they cast? I'm like, who the no. fuck did they cast? They were only half siblings. Each other. All right. I'm sorry. All right. I love everybody. It's really tough because, and I'm jumping off subject for a second, but you know, you guys have all seen Ronan. I'm assuming it's like a classic yeah. crime movie. Right? Yes. Awesome. Everybody loves Ronan. I went and watched Ronan a couple years back, and the movie's great. Right up to this point where, where De Niro and the other guy are sitting there, in like a, and he looks Spoiler over, it. and he sees like a briefcase, and he says to him, like, briefcase, ice skates, let's go to the ice skating rink. And I just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, when something like that happens, it feels like the bookcase falls over. There's yeah. like, it's like the story is just, and this was one of those moments where you're watching, and I was like, I loved everything about this episode, except for the moments where it's just exposition. The same thing happened when Frank is talking to Nails, and he's like, thanks so much for doing this for me. He's like, I remember that time you found me, and I was bleeding out, and you threw me over your shoulder. That This thing we've probably talked about a hundred times in our friendship, that I don't need to explain to you verbatim again for the last time, As I'm, but I want the audience to know, so I'm going to explain it to you one last time before I leave. I was right. bleeding out. Like, all right, well, let me, let me, let's get, well, well, we can get to that, all, all the criticism <laughs> for the second. I get it, I get it. Right? Uh, I think that you know, I think part of, look, part of that exposition, part of that, all that those leaps that we made First of all, yes, I was going to say you call it a leap. I call it just detective work. Okay, <laughs> that's just that's just good detectiving. It's called true detective. There's some good detectiving. We got two detectives <laughs> detect- in the room. They detected the shit out of that. That's what they, they did. They, they, it was like three percent of the episode. Well, I like ninety-seven percent of the episode. I but, loved it. But, but yeah, I, well, I think it was a well-directed episode. Too, yeah, because it was a fantastic episode. But but. Um, I will say this that yeah, there's some leaps made. I think that like when Pizzolatto's writing all this stuff and all these, these this, all this exposition mm-hmm. exposition that happens, um, I think either Andy Greenwald or or Chris Ryan made this point on, on, on in Grantland. They're saying sort of like how when Carefully Ganaga did this, this, the same stuff happened like worse in season one, like way worse. But we didn't notice it as much because sure. Carefully Ganaga like said, "This is interesting, but I'm gonna go over here and check out this taco stand, or I'm gonna go over here." He he, he put the camera other places and yeah. get us so much more to look at, or put the characters in the background, put some interesting things in the foreground, so that we were really in this whole world. So while. Um, you know, while Woody Harrelson and, and, and McConaughey yeah. are yapping back for Dunal's exposition, that in another world, another director, we could not care about if it's just two guys sitting in a room looking at each other. Right? Like we have this whole world. We didn't get that this time. We got we got literally two guys in a room. Everything was two people in a room talking, saying, <laughs> telling yeah. everybody what yeah. what it was, and it was very flat. From from Frank and Jordan, from you know Annie and Ray to yeah. everybody's just two two people in a room. 
talking yep. it out. And I think that on paper or in a book, like you know, for Pizzolatto, that's all maybe well written stuff. But I think you have to be able to translate that to the visual medium of television. I think that that's where we have some failures. But moving on, so they did some detecting. They found out they they made it to the movie set. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went and found the girl. They went to the house. Yep. Yep. Found the girl handcuffed there. She then tells him also another everything zap zap bang piece of exposition. Here's what the whole last eight episodes is about. They, they makes that, he makes that. Then they go to Omega yeah. Station for what, what well, I thought Anaheim was. Arctic Station. That's that's the new that's the new station. Have you been there? No, I haven't been there yet. It's beautiful. You know, I don't really go. It's to empty. Football. I don't go to Orange County. You know that. I <laughs> but I'm like, where is this? this? <laughs> I was. I was like, that looks like. <laughs> That looks like the, the the pond back there. That's, that's Angel Stadium. This is Orange County. I don't know what this is. Oh, that's, that's a real, that's a real place. No idea. That's a real place. Okay. Yeah, they, oh. they built it. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's down by uh, by Disney, and it's and it's uh, by, uh, by by Disney and Angel Stadium, and and, and uh, what's called the Honda Center. Yeah, and Honda the idea Center. behind it is eventually it's going to be the hub for the uh, for the high speed rail. But oh. right now it is an enormous, gorgeous, completely empty station. There's like nothing happening there. Oh, so it's really oh. just empty there. Well, well I mean, it's cool not empty. I mean, you, you, you still take if you took like if you took the, the train down, you would you would stop there. Oh, okay. But um, but yeah, but it's really. Under, underutilized right. considering its size and beauty. Well, this yeah. time I never go to Orange County. <laughs> uh, um, so, so, so I, th- I thought that set piece of the, the whole. So, so Frank goes down. I'm sorry, uh, right. uh, Ray goes down to intercept the drop, yes. which is not actually the sort of drop. It's supposed to be an execution, really. Right, there's, there's, because there's yes, nothing on the hard drive. Right, right. Uh, I thought for as weird as that whole thing was, that was a very intriguing, wonderful set piece. I thought, uh, I, was, I thought that was really scene. cool. That was a great scene. I thought. I, I, I also find it strange that for all these black uh, mountain people that they have, that Chief of Police uh, Holloway and Lieutenant Burris are the Went only two alone. guys that that can handle this whole situation. But well, I, I guess that's I guess they want to keep it under wraps. But I, I, you know, first off, I do want to say that that um, the costume that um, that Valcora wore, I thought, you know, was was terrific. And somewhere there's a cowboy that couldn't find his hat because he stole it. I thought um, it was dope. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I loved it. I was cla- it was I'm glad that I'm in the minority. Style, style over stuff. Why do you think he stole it? He always wore a bolo tie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so but and he wore the glasses inside and the whole thing. And, I loved and it. Well, he's like public enemy number one. Okay, so so he convinces yeah. the kid right in a, in a scene that we don't see. Yeah. That that trust me, I'm a guy you don't know, but let me set this all up, and I'm gonna make this confession thing happen, right? And so the kid totally buys it, right? The kid who's st- who stapled his sister, who's handcuffed his sister to the fireplace, Staples. and he, he goes to the train station to get to to do this thing, but he's convinced in 15 seconds that we don't see that. that don't worry, trust me, I got this, right? That's right. where. Well, Carl's very persuasive. He, he is. wasn't that. Con- he wasn't that convinced because he lost it and blew it and started stabbing the guy. So he wasn't that convinced. He, he was. He, that it's kind of like telling your your friend who just got broken up. You're like, hey, don't call your ex girlfriend. You're not gonna like. He's okay. You're right. You're right. And then he gets lonely that night. He calls her. I mean, it's like you know. So three in the morning, you leave me. He's outside her window howling, and you're trying to put him back in his car. Emotion takes over. So I you know, got you. he was convinced for a minute. Shout out to well, Everett. There was the oh. potential for to, to have the entire story exposed if you just could hold it for one minute, hold it together, get. Everything on tape, and then do what you got to do if you got to stab the guy to death, whatever. Right, right. But that was a big opportunity to bring everything to light. Yes, right. Uh, yeah. I didn't happen though. It didn't happen. It did not. I think as a, I think as a, <laughs> it did not. 
I, I really think, I'm, although we're, we're kind of in agreement that the series may not have worked as well as we wanted to work, I think this episode, episode eight, I think, it, I thought it was great. I thought yeah. it worked well as a standalone set piece. Aside I, from the unnecessary exposition, not unnecessary, extremely necessary. You gotta got tie some bows yeah, here, pal. But it's aside from the fact that, that most of the exposition in the episode, just like last episode, just felt like they were giving us all of the information now. Aside from that stuff, right. I thought this was the best episode of the season by a long time. Well, time. I mean, this, what, this way episode, more exciting. Episode eight was, it had to be 90 minutes because it was a full blown, you know, tie everything in a bow, wrap things up, information dump. We had to solve all, all, all these yeah. tie these loose ends together, which as we, you know, went over for 15 minutes, they're not, they're all kind of coincidental. Yeah. So we, we have to somehow t- tie all these coincidences together. Um, I wasn't quite satisfied how they did that, but I think the episode itself, um, you know, uh, directed by my man John Crawley was, was, was great. Yeah. Uh, I think that set piece was great about that, the, the stabbing. I was, I was, I bought all that. Yep. Um, so we get past that, and I want to just jump back from that back over to Frank and Jordan, because we have that scene with Frank and Jordan in the station, which I want to talk about, which, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It, 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 was, it was somewhere between either really moving or really laughable. Yeah. And I don't know. And Julia, what did, did you did you like the whole throwing no, off the rings I and me in the white suit? I on the side of laughable. It's like he tried to Harry and Henderson's her. Yeah. Like, go, we don't love you. We don't need you. Yeah, you right. don't belong here. <laughs> She's supposed to just sulk off. Harry like and the Hendersons. Way. I like the reference. <laughs> Go on, you're not, go on, you're not wanted here. You're not wanted here! <laughs> Sitting Harry in the Anderson. Oh my but god. But it's true, and I mean, it was, she uh, even says, like, you're not that good of an actor, and it was just poor, poor acting. It's like he was trying to act. Well, he actually, was acting, acting badly, and it just the whole scene. Felt why was it happening in the goddamn train station? This is the conversation <laughs> you have before you get to the train station. Well, you, what are you sitting in the car? Where are we going, Frank? I don't know. Where are we going? It's a secret. You now get out of the car. Now stand here in this very photogenic hallway. Well, you're not and even now, getting on the train. <laughs> right, no one gets on the fucking train. All right. I, I don't know. I don't understand. Joy hates it. I I thought. First of all, I thought she did. I actually thought in that scene she did a bad job. I didn't think that. I didn't think that Vaughn did a terrible job in the scene. I agree. I, I enjoyed Vince Vaughn in the scene. I agree. I thought she was pretty bad. However, I did think that the scene itself was very melodramatic, and I realized what they were mm. trying to do with the setup with the white dress because the later scene in the desert. But just which was haunting and yeah, enjoyable. But but that was all like very yeah. It was very overdone. I mean, the way I could tell that it was like overdone and not good was because when she gets in the car and he's walking away and she looks at him and she goes. All I thought of was Gary Busey and Point Break being like, Utah, get me two. <laughs> and if it was, and, and, and I swear to God, if, if, I, if I hadn't been like laughing about the scene a little bit, I wouldn't have gone there. I would have just been like, I mean, that's not a, a it's just a generic thing to do. But it, obviously, I could tell that I thought it was funnier than anything else because that came to mind. And I started chuckling. You know, I usually, I, I've been saying for eight episodes, I like their scenes together. Yeah, that's, that's I like their relationship. And this entire scene was such a letdown. I feel like the stakes are high and there were yeah. things that could have been said and it just turned into like this little moment of comedy hour. Shock fest. Well, I, I, I will say this. I disagree with all of you guys. I mean, there's very, very degrees of not liking this. I actually bought it. I did start out. Really? I went back and forth as I'm watching this. Thing. And first of all, it's long, a little long. So long. But, but you know, again, another, another, another two hander, another, <laughs> another two people in the room just sort of yapping and yak talking. Yeah, right, right. But I will say, I went from like, oh boy, this sucks. <laughs> and then like, oh, to like, oh, to like, Oh, that left. It's still happening. But yes, but yeah, I've had enough time in the scene to have four yeah. different emotions. But I, was, I, I thought for me it worked. The only thing problem I had with the scene in general, which I had with this episode in general, which they did a lot actually in the entire series, is a lot of telegraphing. A lot yeah. of like, yeah. don't worry, I'll be there. 
wear the white dress. I'm like, he ain't gonna be there. Of course like, he's gonna you know? be there. No, right? And then when, when Velcro like takes the, dips off on Lower Canyon, uh, like, I couldn't have been more clear. Uh, like, oh shit. Yeah, he's sitting goes. around. Uh, well, one thing, one thing. I, I, before that, when yeah. he's like, I'm on my way. I'll be there in 40 minutes. Right. Nothing but time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I'm going to live forever. He, he, he smiles the smiles. one time we ever see him smile. But yeah, the we've biggest got, smile. He's so in we've love, got money finally. we're going to be in love. Yeah. Oh, God. Wait, I got one last stop to make. Like, ah! <laughs> Wait, okay, but, but I'm going to just jump in for a second and, and, get, and get in the way of all the, the, the hijinks and laughing about this. Because, yes, so he, you know that he's not going to make it as soon as he smiles that big for the first time in the whole show. Um, the wonderful smile. But uh, he smiles, and then he's like, I have to go take care of something. What's, what it's reminiscent of, and this is why I appreciate it, is one of the great crime dramas of all time is Heat. And we all know in Heat, yep. as soon as he decides to go back to take care of Wayne Grow, yep. we know that he's not going to get out. Yep. And we all know as soon as he turns off, and it's in L.A. too. Sure. And that's, I'm sure Pizzolatto's a fan of Heat. You can't be a crime writer and not be a fan of it. So uh, that was to me like one of those, like this is a classic bit of crime writing. Is like, Fair enough. You go to take care of one loose end. Yeah, one loose end. One more thing to and say always, goodbye. And always, and always and it always sinks you. So mm. I, I didn't think it was a thing where like the smile and the like, I'll be there in 40 minutes was like, you kind of knew that, but then, like, to make the decision, but it's because I have to go take care of this thing is the reason it's not going to happen. But the point, I, I hear you on that, and I love <laughs> Heat, and that, nice spoiler alert for Heat, and nice, but nice, nice try on Listen, that. if you haven't seen Heat at this point, it's on you. Okay. We can't. Kim on 95. <laughs> it's like the best movie. You've had 20 years. We can't help you at this point. But I will say this. that like I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I just, you know, I feel like that there's just too much. It's just so big, fat softballs of, like, telegraphing in this yeah, episode. Yeah. It was kind of like to the point of melodrama when he's, you know, He's like on the phone. He's yeah. like, he's, he's like, I. Uh, she's like, what? She's like, I'll, I'll see you later. Like, and they uh, like hang up. You're like, what are you gonna say? Uh, I, was, er, I love you. Early on, oh, there was God. no doubt. There was no doubt that Frank or Ray were not gonna make it out. There's no doubt early on in this episode. But uh, before we let's jump back into the heist because another piece of like you know we we, we get to the 45 minute standpoint and it seems all is lost. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the Omega station goes to shit. Uh, they're still fugitives. Uh, they've, they've no, no one knows what they've done. They have some evidence. The hard drive's wiped. The, 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 the recorder that he's recording got smashed. Yeah. The, they have nothing to do but join forces with Frank, which I predicted in episode one, by the way. That they would join forces with Frank. I think I predicted in episode six or seven. And guys, if you've been listening or watching, and because I can't quite remember my exact prediction, it's all convoluted now. I think I predicted that all three of the characters that died were going to die. I'm pretty sure I said okay. in episode six. All right. I think I said the only one of the four that's going to live at the end is I. I'll, I'll check the tape, but I could be wrong. I'll check the tape. I hope uh, I'm not. I hope you did because that would be pretty badass. <laughs> be pretty baller. Be right. pretty baller. Call it. But but I will say that. Um, uh, they they get together for one last heist, and it was sort of the heist that you know, uh, it, it's all, how many how much how much money was it? Twelve, 12 million. million. Twelve million dollars, all there in cash, and I liked it. I like the idea of these guys coming together. I like mm-hmm. the guns. Um, you finally see all the characters in, in one room together. Although, what did you think of uh, the interaction between Vince Vaughn and Osip? No, between Vince Vaughn and uh, Annie and, and Bizzaretti's. They're one line together. It was fine. Uh- yeah, you know, it was, it was nice to have them finally meet. You're the lady cop. <laughs> You're a lady away. of class. Oh god. Okay, like maybe it wasn't tits. as great as yeah. I thought. <laughs> what, that tits? Yeah, no, I know because you're a lady. It was fine. I, I liked. Yeah, Flippo <laughs> just hated it. I, did. I wanted to not, but I did. I don't know about that one. Okay, so so they do the heist, and I, and, and, I don't, and here's, here's the other thing. I mean, when Frank Simeon, I mean, he's a gangster, but he's got some pretty heavy duty hardware. Oh yeah. And he he's got, he's got some night vision. He's got some gas mask stuff. 
I mean, I don't know when did these guys become such like heavy hitters. I mean, I know Frank's right. kind of a street gangster, but now all of a sudden he's a freaking commando. Blown Arsenal. Um, yeah. Anyway, but they do the heist, and I feel like it was a little anticlimactic. It's a little too easy. They go in there, and of course, all the bad guys are there. There's there's Yusuf, there's uh, Chandless, yeah. McCandless, I'm sorry. Yep. There's everyone there, and they throw the gas in, everybody runs out, spray them all down, grab the money, and go. That was the most anticlimactic heist ever. <laughs> but I think that was designed to be that way. I, in fairness, that was designed to be because that's not the end. I mean, it, it, that was that was just the. Uh, that, I think that's that's points to Frank's hubris, right? That he's he's he thought he had everything tied up, and the only thing he didn't count on were the Mexicans. And and I think that was the idea, right? It's right. like we and we thought we bought into it, right? And yeah. I was so you saw that. that Cadillac stop for more than ten seconds. Like, oh, oh the no. Cadillac's been stopped way too long. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't mind that. Um, I. One thing about Frank that I think is funny, and credit to, and I wish I had a better memory to just remember the name of the person that sent us that email about him like trying to use $10 words all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One credit to Vizalado's writing with Frank, and I noticed in this episode, he made another comment in this one about when your lights go out, you're going to know it's me. What uh, lights go out? Uh, he said, what lights Maybe out? Maybe not today. Yeah. Maybe not tomorrow. But when the lights go out, it's me. It's me. And that's the second time that he used oh, the one, because no. in the previous episode he says to Blake, right, I want to I watch your lights go out. And, like, <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was like, he's kind of a dork. Like, at, at the end of the day, he's yeah. this big, tall, lanky gangster who's kind of gotten to where he is, but, like, he tries really hard to be cool. He tries so hard to be cool. I, and it's kind of funny that that might be a real character as the gangster that made a lot of money and killed a lot of people, but it's not actually very cool. He just wants so to like, be cool. So, like, you think that, the, like, off-camera people are like, God damn, Frank, come on, man. Why would you... Really? You're well, going like to lights again? His henchmen are, like, drinking beers. Like, when he's not around, they're like, yeah, I mean, boss, sometimes he's kind of, you know... Nah, I mean, he goes and he shoots Tony, cheesy. but then he does that freaking yeah. lights thing again. It's yeah. so embarrassing. I think, yeah. I think what happens is right? like, oh, I, I, mom, mom, God, mom. <laughs> What it feels like to me is that, like, it, it, it totally, it's kind of started in one place with Frank being the sort of solemn, real, like, boss gangster guy in the Justin Lin episodes. Like, Frank very much started as, like, the solemn, like, I'm a badass episodes yeah. one, two, and three. And then, in the back half of that, we start to see more of the Vince Vaughn-ish stuff come out. I think it's hard to, to have a character written for Vince Vaughn and have Vince Vaughn there without him giving a little wink mm-hmm. and a smile. So I think a lot of that stuff was an effort to sort of give Vince Vaughn an opportunity to do his Vince Vaughn shit. And I think that it worked. I mean, I think a lot of the time for me when he's doing all that stuff, you kind of yeah. get that little flair of personality you need from Vince Vaughn. But I think this is kind of the problem with the character itself. Is like either he's a solemn badass or he's the winky other guy. I think he he was neither. But we'll we'll get to that in a second. But uh, after the heist, they have the escape plan. They're all going to Venezuela, Venezuela, right? Yep. yep. Um, no, extradition is shit. Yep. Um, they got the boat. They got the plan. They got the Scarface broad. They got the secret room in the bar. Yep. Who, who my girl's still playing? Empty bar. Cha- oh, she play all night. She didn't care. She's cha- great. Cha- she's there up. for the music, baby. Chairs are up. Places closed. Give a shit. There, 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 there's secret shit happening upstairs. Doesn't matter. She's, she's still she's playing. Still. Sound check. One, still. two. One, two. Um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Fantastic. That song. I'm going to sing a Sad ass song. I, I, I loved her. I like her a lot. Her name is like Laura, Laura. Laura something. Laura's sad name song. Yes. What was no. her name? Yeah, Laura. Anyway. So uh, I'm trying to find her. It's, I, she can sing. She got a voice. She's great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, she was. Yeah, they have the escape plan. Um, everything seems to be going perfectly until everything doesn't go perfectly. Frank gets intercepted by the cartel guys, driven out to the desert, and he still almost made it out. I actually thought Frank might make it. Uh. Now, do you think? Now, here, here's. I don't know. I don't think so. I think. I think that. Uh, I think that uh, that the die was cast. They were killing. Him, no matter what, no, uh, I, I, I think so, man. I think they're gonna leave the one guy. Uh, the one guy says, you know, come on, I want a suit. 
That was. What do you do? You're going to take the suit off the guy's back and let him yeah. walk naked back through the desert? No, you don't drive out to the desert, dig the hole, and then drive off. No, you dig the hole. I, I, I don't know. I think they may have. I think we were supposed to believe that they were going to let him go, and that the thing that push Frank over the edge is not being able to, like, kneel down. Like, that, that, that one moment, like, take my sister, the last bit of dignity he had. Well, well, but here's a question. Let me ask a question. Do you think, if, if, if by your by your um, theory, do you think that Frank knew he was going to die, that's why he punched the guy, or do you think it was just, I can't take this? No, no out of he had the diamonds in his jacket. That, that's There you go. Thank he you. didn't have a choice. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know that. I, I thought the same thing at first. It was like, Frank, 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 come on. And I was like, oh, shit, the diamonds are There's in your nothing pocket. left for him if he yeah. gives up the suit. There's nothing. Yeah. And and I think ultimately I think the Mexicans were going to kill him no matter what. I don't think there was any. I don't think this is my my two cents is I don't think he had a chance. But um but yeah you can't get him the suit. The suit's all he's got left is that is that is the diamonds. Okay. And, right. and, and I like that he sense. went down swinging. Well, they could have. They had fifty guns. They could have just lit them up, like yeah, freaking, exactly. you know, Bonnie no, Clyde style. But how much but, more effed up is it to let them walk back through the desert bleeding out? I yeah. mean, that's that's much colder. It's gnarly. Okay, yeah. so that happened. I mean, they it's gave grim. Him, uh, nice, Very. nice line. Like you gave you a nice bed to lay in, Frank, and he kind now of lay down. Yeah. Now, yeah. now what, what do we make of sort of like Frank's journey? Like, of I mean, through through his life and through what he went through and how it ended for Frank. What do we make of that? Was there some sort of redemption that for him? Was there some sort of peace or resolution that for him? What were we supposed to take from that journey. Let me start with, let me start with you, Julia. I'm not going to hear you have to say about this. Mm. Dude gets stabbed. He gets up. He's going to make it to his wife. His dad's in his ear. The the, the, the homeboys from the 80s and the Kango were in his ear. Yeah. Like, you know, the poor guy who he left to, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> to, to die. And then he sees the he sees his wife. And then he, the buzzard's behind him and he drops dead. What's our takeaway? I, I thought it was actually quite sad because you see this man who has really clawed his way out from a desperate situation as a child um, being told you're nothing, being told I don't love you, and he, and, and then the, 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 little gangster kids who are giving him all sorts of shit and he rises above and he rises above and he always has a, a bigger plan, a higher plan to get out and to, to prove them all wrong and to just be brought down at the yeah. very last minute. Um, even though he had like this moment with his wife who I, like I said, I've loved them from the beginning. I've loved their relationship. Um, it's it, it was, redheads. I am partial <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was very sad and actually quite moving and okay. haunting, especially yeah. with the vultures behind him. Joe, did it work for you? Uh, I, I, I have some problems with the characters, oh, with, with, with three of the characters. I don't feel that there was there was much growth at all. I don't feel like, and I think that's, uh, you know, whether people identify what the, their issue is with the show or not, but a lot of people have been so disappointed because we're used to seeing in, 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 most, in most television and most film an arc. We're used to seeing growth in the characters. We've become accustomed to the idea that as things happen to characters, they change, they grow, and that growth will lead to redemption. And that's kind of something that's become set in our minds. And when we, and when we don't get it, we're, we're often confused. And I don't think Frank changed. Okay. Nothing about his character changed throughout this show. It's interesting. And, it's a straight and, line, right? It's straight line, right? There's no growth. There's no arc. Straight line. I am who I am. And that is exactly what that's what killed him, right? But, but isn't there something to be said about that? Like, I mean, especially from the standpoint of, like, look, sometimes, sometimes in Pizzolatto's writing, people don't change. I start at this point. I go right. here. And, and I don't think Pizzolatto's changed. I don't think Woodrow changed. But that's, I, the that's, only one that changed is Velcoro. But that's somehow the four leads are told. Like, you know, like, like we're, we're these people. We're set in stone on the rails to do this. A bunch of shit happens around us. We're on rails and maybe so, something will happen. So this is this is my this is my my issue with it. So if if the characters aren't going to change, if the characters are set 
and the, the plot line revolves around the characters not changing, and the plot is convoluted and confusing, then then what you've got is, is, is what happened this season. A lot of people who checked out because they didn't empathize with the characters because the characters weren't growing and changing, and the plot was too confusing, so a lot of people went, screw it, and bailed. And that is what the issue has been with the show, I think. That's when, that's one, there's another, there's another, I think, overarching issue also, but this, to me, this is not good TV when the character doesn't change. If the character stays the same, I think it's interesting writing, I think it's, it's very interesting, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, formulaic writing, because you can see, and they laid it out very clearly, right. that Frank had no choice. Frank Frank's character led to this moment, no question about it, right? He, he continued to be him all the way through, and this is exactly how he landed, no matter what he did, right? And to me, that's interesting, but it doesn't allow for any growth or any love. I didn't feel anything for Frank. I felt disappointed because... There's a part of me that wanted them to, 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 to make it out, but that is the part of me that loves Vince Vaughn, not the part of me that loves Frank. Sure. Ben? Yeah, so, okay, I, I think I pretty much agree with you. It's a really interesting point. It actually plays on a point that I made earlier in the season, which was that I felt like for the first three or four episodes we watched the same scene over and over again with Vince Vaughn. Like, half the show was the same scene, right, until it, like he started to open up after the time jump a little bit, especially the last two episodes as he was actually doing right. instead of talking it's, it's about. Right, some interesting stuff. But... So that's an interesting point that I think he was pretty much the same from beginning to end. We didn't see a lot of growth. And and Taylor Kitsch, to his credit or to his detriment, I mean, I don't know if it's his fault, but yeah, the, the character didn't really grow at all. He just was kind of a nothing character. Like I, One of our fans got really upset on YouTube that I said I didn't care at all when he died. But, but why I was he even didn't there? Care. I didn't understand yeah. why he was even there. But I don't think I necessarily agree with you that, that Bezzarides didn't grow. And I think she actually did. because oh, Velcoro. Velcoro, no, Velcoro definitely grew. grew. No question. He definitely grew. I think Bezzarides did grow, and I think you can see it mostly in the final few episodes as, as her willingness to, like... And I think that's the reason we saw the scene that this episode started with. She's willing to now talk about something she's never talked about in her life. She's opening up to someone. She's... You know, you know I mean, it's not... I don't know. Like, her willingness to, to run, abandon justice, change her hair, and go just run off. Like, I, I don't think that's the kind of character she was when the season started. She wasn't saying fuck it just to say fuck it. She wasn't just, like, I think she she developed a little bit more of a sense of she wanted to live for a reason. I think at the beginning of the, the, the show, it kind of like she was just trying to put herself in harm's way. As she said, when she goes to the, the orgy, she's like, I think I was looking for that my whole life. She wanted to kill someone. She right. wanted to put herself in harm's way. So, I think she did change, and I it actually is... is the affirmation that I think Valcoro and Bezzarides were by far the most engaging part of the show, and it was actually nice to see their relationship turn into what it did, because without that, the other half of the show was very boring. Yeah. And, and after yeah. eight episodes, it's it just... They were, the, they were clearly the best parts of the show from an acting standpoint and a character yeah. standpoint. I mean, two of the best 100%. characters, two of the best actors. Uh, I want to just jump to the end and then come back to Ray as a way to talk about how we felt about the characters. Um, so, obviously, we know it, it went bad for Ray. Uh, you know, um... Annie gets in the boat. She's off to Venezuela. She meets up with uh, Jordan, of course. We, right. we don't see the scene, which I thought we would see, of Annie meeting Jordan in the, in the white dress. But we, we got that when uh, Frank saw her, sort of. Great, yeah. by the way. Cool. That was terrific. That was very sweet. But we did, get the, we did get the reveal of you know the baby, which, of course, of course, I'm like, did Jordan get pregnant? And then they hand it over to Annie. And it's like, oh, my God, it's Annie's baby. That's well, she so says cool. it first. It's because it's the earlier line is his son's. His son's. Yeah, his son's. Yeah. His son's. Yeah. Yeah. But in that, that moment, I was like, his son's? I'm like, but that's, oh, oh. So that's right. kind of sweet. Uh, then we also have the, uh, you know, the 
reporter who Volcaro jacked up in episode one or two mm-hmm. uh, there with all the evidence to, to presumably tell the story. We yeah. get the nice montage of sort of like, you know, the, the Pizzolatto thing, like the, 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 the big cat, the fat cats keep on getting fat, the railway's going, Chizani's yeah. are, the Chizani Jr.'s in power, uh, you know, everyone's there. So they all, but we can only assume that maybe it'll, they'll get taken down by the, by the, uh, by the writing maybe. Well, in theory. Um, well, who knows where Annie and Jordan are off to, what they're going to be doing in their long journey. Um, I was okay with the ending. People hated the ending, but I was okay with the way that sort of ended for me. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the ending? And then, then we can jump back and think about what we thought of the series. Well, the Valcoro, too, you're talking about the shootout? No, I mean, the, and I'm sorry, the, the, the way it ended, not the shootout part, but just the, 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 last the resolution, the last shots of like them being in Venezuela together, then uh, the, the montage of the power structure being intact, and also them, the two ladies being off as, as survivors alone. Was that satisfying to you, or were you like, ah? I mean, what, what do you, you know, how do you feel about that ending? Um, I was cool. I was fine with the the two women going off with nails. I thought that was that was fine. I, right. I mean, it's. I think you're supposed to just sort of be like, who knows? Well, I don't know. Actually, would they still be with nails? Would they have been surviving that long? I'm not well, really sure. He, well, he I, said he wasn't. He, he was gonna, wasn't going to leave her. Right. Um, yeah, it was fine. I mean, like, I guess it, you have to wrap it up. You yeah. have to. There's like, there's ending a show is the hardest thing they say. Well, it, it feels like. We, we, well, let's just jump into this because I. I well, I want to hear what you guys have to say. But let's just jump into the whole the, the thing as a whole. Um, I think that the way we can separate this is like you know I want to talk about what we thought about the characters, which we, which we did very much talk about a little yeah. bit, and then what we thought about this this whole eight and a half hour movie if it was a success or if it was a failure and why or what, we, what went right and wrong. I do want to start with uh, Velcoro. Um, you know, his ending is kind of the ending I think that we all thought would, was probably going to happen to him since the moment we saw him in episode one. I don't think any of us thought like, oh, this guy's going to turn around and be, you know, living in a white picket fence somewhere. We kind of knew that this is how it was going to end for this guy. We had hope. We, we had him killed in season, in episode two. Yep. We had hope for him. Um, but we kind of knew how this would end. I was, you know, it was telegraphed all to hell, but I was pretty satisfied with that ending. It was very sad. His, uh, yeah, and, and it was. Very, I thought it was very cool that, um, that that turned out to be his son, which is great. Yeah, um, it, was, it was also very sad that very tragic that he did not get to send the message. Yeah, you know, or that it did not upload, which is kind of sad. I don't know it's, it's a lot of like Shakespearean tragedy meets sort of like real world. I don't know. I, I was okay with this sort of, sort of pizzolatto right way to do things, but. Joe, you hated it. No, no, I didn't hate it. I, 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 the message is, is so interesting to me because I think that the I, I think I've mentioned this before. The the, the kid is, is a fascinating. Uh, the, the way they did the kid, the way they cast the kid, and the way they've shot the kid is always it's, it's been so interesting to me because it's it's the kid doesn't do anything that I'm aware of. He doesn't right. do. He's not good at anything. He's not bad at anything. He's just kind of there. Yeah. And and I think that's intentional. And it's funny to me, not funny, but I guess it's interesting. It's an interesting choice that the message he's leaving his son. Is this you're better than me? You're this. You're that. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, this isn't about the kid. I mean, it's about the kid in in uh, in, in, him, in in reference to to, uh, to to Velcoro and and his commitment to him and his commitment to this idea of being doing the right thing, being the right guy. But I don't think it's really about the kid. And I think that's what's interesting about that message. If you listen to what he was saying, it was all about how 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 amazing this kid is and what an amazing guy he is and all this. And it, you're better than me. I, I I'm not good. You're great. And uh, you know, and I, I understand the the intention behind it, but the way you played it, it really felt very much like a confession. And 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 it it, uh, it was interesting because I didn't see any of those qualities in the kid mm-hmm. necessarily. But um, and and then of course the, the the thing to me, the only thing I didn't like about it was that message didn't get sent. That was rough. That to me was you didn't uh, like that. 
I, I, I felt that was an unnecessary cruelty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, at least in the message, right? he's already let died. The, let the flipping message go. He's already dead. But that's like, I, well, don't you think the message, sorry to interrupt, okay. don't you think the message not being sent is kind of like, it was one of those, it was one of those like, you guys don't really want us to tie up every little thing and every little thing at the end of this to all feel like it kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. It's like, that's one of those moments where you're like, yeah, in real life, if you had this, this moment, this moment of, you know, you record this last message to your son because you know you're going to die. Well, maybe the message just doesn't send, and and that's what happened. And the last thing you got was to salute to him, and or, that's that. Or maybe that's maybe life. it wasn't for his son yeah. at all. Maybe it was just for him. Maybe these things yeah, he had to say. Sometimes exactly. you write stuff in your journal, and no one ever sees it. You, maybe he, he got those words out, and maybe it was just for him. And but that's, he and was, that's was desperate that. to send it. And I think he yeah. was desperate to send it to him because the message that he was leaving his son was a message of of strength, imposing strength upon him, and he knew what his fate was going to be. Yeah. Right. So I feel that he thought if he could just say these words, whether he believed them now or not. If he could get those words to his son, they would wash over him, hopefully, right. and help him to and, deal and with his father's death and yeah. deal with everything that he's dealt with. And yes, turn him into a pillar of strength. And keep in mind, he's been he's been leaving these recordings since you know yes. episode, For a while. episode one. You know, like this has been this has been an ongoing theme. Mm-hmm. Or I think it was something actually they they did early on and kind of abandoned and brought back brought got back yeah, to it in this it episode. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was okay with that. I, I did you. Um, were you okay with the the ending of Volcoro and how he how he how he died and what happened with his storyline? Yeah, well, because we were it was it was uh, in the in the uh, weird like near death moment when he's talking to Fred Ward in episode three. Mm-hmm. He he has the where he's staring up at the woods. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's already yeah. foreshadowed that's going to happen. Yep. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I I'm a real sucker for father son stuff. I think I've said it on yeah. here before. That gets me more than anything. Sure. So him doing the salute and then yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah, you know that was that when Fred Ward seeing the thing on TV with his son's been killed. I, yeah. I like that. That got me and a little disgraced. emotional. I just I just wish that it was, it was again it was so telegraphed. I almost wish they went the other way and made him live because it was like you know the, yeah. the whole episode he's not going to make it and then so that would have been kind of fresh to somehow make him let, let him get out but you know I did think one thing like in the way that with Woodrow when he was un- underneath the, the sewers and last episode and he took out the, all the Black Mountain guys that was believable but yeah. like I don't know like I just felt like Colin Farrell and there's these guys with like sub at you know like basically AK-47s or whatever right. and they're coming at him and they're they're weaving around trees and he's able to just like get out headshot headshot run yeah. get out headshot headshot run like it, to, to me it was just like really you think you're even gonna be able to take out one without taking a bullet there's five yeah. of these guys hey, he, well he, ultimately he didn't make it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, ultimately he didn't, he didn't do it I thought he had a fair chance he was doing alright well, he, he was taking him down left he, and right so for him just to jump he, out from behind the tree I was like come on you got half of them already he kind of expended too many rounds on each guy he was well, like at four rounds on each guy yeah. I also think at the end he kind of he got made a choice like if, if they catch me they're going to torture me and I might end up dumping where Bezuides yeah. is Right? can we actually ask really quickly why did they just annihilate him Like they, I don't know it yeah. doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense because any Burris sense. really wanted that information yeah. so he should have been like would you yeah. hit this guy in the legs hit him in the stomach yeah. whatever don't kill him we need to know where that stuff is otherwise it all comes around they were just like like you're yeah. done what happened afterwards you guys didn't see it's like you guys you guys I told you I told you guys <laughs> Swear Don't to God! Kill him. All right, so uh, so that ended. I, look, there's been a lot of talk about you know season two about you know it was all the way along. Like you know, we have a lot to say. I've been saying all along. Let's let's wait until the thing is over to, to pass yeah. judgment. It's now over. 
Um, you know, my official take Let's is... Let's pass judgment. Well, my, my, my official take <laughs> is I, I, I still liked it. I, I think it was a decent story and piece of writing. I think yeah. that all the ideas were good. I think that his, you know, Pizzolatto building the four characters were very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the idea, top-line idea of this power structure in L.A. and the three jurisdictions was interesting. I think that getting into the muck of, like, what that crime story was versus having to make that fit shoehorn into all this wonderful backstory of these characters was yeah. a little much. It reminds me a lot of, it's, it's the same take I had when I saw Southpaw. Let's go mm-hmm. off topic a little bit. Yeah. I saw Southpaw, um, and I liked it a lot, but I, I didn't love it. I gave, I gave it like a C plus. And the reason why is, as I'm, I loved everything in the movie. I loved Gyllenhaal, all the, all the individual performances I loved. Yeah. I loved the boxing stuff. I loved Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I loved Forrest Whitaker. I loved, uh, you know, um, everyone in the movie. But then, I walked away and I'm like, I don't know, if, I don't think I like the movie. Hmm. Like, I kind of like everything in the movie and not like the movie itself, which is kind of how I feel about this. I feel like, God, I like the, I like the idea of, wow, this is a great idea, and oh man, this performance is great, and this is great here, and I love this. I, I, I even bought in ultimately to to um, Frank's performance, or Vince Vaughn's performance. Yeah, in the end. Um, I just think that, and this is my take, and I'll, I'll let you guys talk, but like, I think that Frank as a character never, ever really fit. Um, this is not an original take. Everyone sort of said this. I agree. I think Frank was sort of like, you have this whole crime story, you have this thing happen, and then Frank sort of hung on to that thing. And again, as we talked about, so much real estate and so yeah. much time. And then to have him die, I don't... I'm a little, you know, that, that, that's a little disappointing. I think also, I loved all the vocal stuff. I loved all the Bizarretti stuff. I'm on record saying the Woodrow stuff for me didn't quite work. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, the character, we, we, we got, we got a lot back sort of Black Mountain and, and the gay and the, and the mother and the, and the kid. And then he dies and I sort of felt like, yeah, all right, there's that guy. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm left with. I don't I know what my takeaway is. I don't, I don't, I don't feel satisfied by the crime story. I don't feel satisfied <laughs> by, um, two of the three main characters. I mean, t- Two of the four main characters, but I still kind of like this. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a C plus for me. I think if you want my take on it, and I understand what you're saying, I think what's missing from this is any kind of fun. I I look back on this entire season. I can't think of one time I smiled. I can't think of one time I laughed. I can't think of one time a character seemed to be smiling or laughing. I can't think of anything that happened in eight and a half hours that was remotely fun or enjoyable. This was grim from top to bottom. It was unrelentingly grim. It was depressing. I think part of the issue was, uh, you know, and, and and to be totally clear. John Crowley's a great director. Nick Pizzolatto's a great writer. They brought in Jeremy Lin. They had great directors all season. I think these guys are incredibly talented, but there was not an adult in the room. And I think it's an inverse of Jar Jar Binks. I mean, Jar Jar Binks was brought on, right, because somebody thought... we Reference real- to the character from Star Wars Episode One, guys. In case there's some confusion. Not true detective. Really. A hateful character. <laughs> and, and brought in because George Lucas thought, I know comedy. I do not know comedy, but I know it. And um, I think this is funny, and this is going to lighten things up. And there was nobody from a studio to say, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and I, I think it was kind of racist, too. <laughs> a little bit, right? A little so bit. <laughs> I, I think that in this instance, there was no one there saying to him, if you make the characters fun and smile a little bit every now and then, people will empathize more with them, will care more about them, and it will bring in the audience. And I think that didn't happen all season long. And the reason that, that it was that he probably thought he was doing that is because last season he had that natural chemistry with Matthew McConaughey and, and Woody Harrelson, their best friends. They brought a natural thing to the to, to the screen. And so, you know, and, and Carrie Fuganaga directing all eight. So, I mean, you had you had this these these other uh, collaborators last season that maybe took what was dark and, and, and really, really unrelenting writing 
and made it a little bit lighter and a little more accessible. And that didn't happen this season. It was grim and it was rough. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that, and someone made this point in the chat room, I, I, I'm okay with grim and rough. It, yeah, it, 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 it's but cr- it's a crime story. It, this is true detective. No, but, but here's the this, thing. This, this is what Pizzolatto does. But, but here's what, my what, question. What, what, what was season one? A barrel of laughs? No, this is my point. <laughs> this is my point. <laughs> hey, you're making an argument you don't, even, you don't even truly believe because you didn't give a shit when Woodrow died. Yeah. Right? And you truly, I mean, because you didn't empathize with him. And you didn't empathize with him because the character was not complete. But but th- that has nothing to do with joy and... and yes, and it is. There's like... little moments of joy that bring you into a character. If there's a joke, if there's a smile, if there's right. something. Just the, just the moments where Woody Harrelson was teasing about Matthew McConaughey sure. being crazy made, this, made the whole thing work. Sure, it's acknowledging how, how overly deep McConaughey was and t- poking a little fun, taking a little air out of the, out of the tension. I, th- I think that the characters in season one were, were definitely a little more likable. Both of them were a little more likable and the worlds were, and partially because there's only two of them and not four of them. So I think there's a lot of, that's a lot to be said there. I think the, the, the trying to unpack all four of these characters from four different worlds and then try to make us care about them on top of this convoluted crime story was a little bit, was a bit much. Maybe there's only two of them, yep. like, like Bizzaretti's and, and Velcoro. I'd be happy. But I don't know. Jules, what do you think? Um, no, I agree. Something you said earlier was that what Nick Pizzolatto does so well is he does great crime stories and he does great characters. I don't think he did either one of those greatly in this instance. I think he definitely bit off more than he can chew. The characters were never flushed out. The story was convoluted and coincidental, which just infuriates me mm-hmm. a little bit. When you're so invested in, you're taking, I'm taking these freaking copious notes and all it is, is is just some coincidence of some girl they met named Laura who's really arrogant. Like, that that pisses me off. Yeah, it felt, felt because like I'm trying hard here. <laughs> well, it felt like he's sort of figuring this stuff along the, uh, well, yes, along the way. Well, yes, it did feel like because he was going to crunch timeline from HBO. He's writing this on his own. It felt like some ideas were were then explored and then abandoned and then maybe brought back to, like like the recorder, the stuff to the sun. Yes. It felt a little all over the place in that sense, which is which is insulting to the viewer a little bit. I agree. And you know, in the end, I just feel like the same way these characters didn't really have much connection to the crime. I felt like I had no connection to this story, to these characters, to the show in general. Sure. Try though as I may. So in the end, I'm just sort of left feeling like frustrated and let down and kind of like bummed out and empty. Well, <laughs> like, I'm going well, to jump that in. Was a, I feel like... Ben? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Alright, so a couple of things I noticed. First of all, I, I watch some television. I don't watch a lot of network television. I catch up on old shows mostly. So in terms of currently watching TV at one time, this is probably one of two or three shows that I actually currently am watching. Like, It was the thing I looked forward to on Sunday every week the most throughout the whole season. It's our job to come on here and criticize and analyze, uh, not to just clap our hands every week. So I think we all criticize the small points week to week. I loved it in the end, really. Like At the end of the day, when I think about other dramas that I watched huge amounts of over time, like shows like Dexter or like House of Cards where I've watched long... And they're good shows. They're solid shows. I'm never going to watch an episode of Dexter that I've watched once again. I don't want to go watch Dexter Season 2 again. I don't want to watch House of Cards again. I'll watch this again, 100%. I'll probably watch it next year again. It's, it's excellent in tone. It's well-acted, mostly. There are parts that I definitely didn't enjoy... I don't. I do think that like Vince Vaughn's character overall was not super memorable, but I do think that from start to finish, the bar is set so high with what we expect from television now. Of course, I, this doesn't and, register. And, and this series. I mean, this oh series. The bar is set high. Yep. That season one, as I've said before, is my favorite season of television of all time. I concur. So for this to fall short of that, that's fine. It's still there's still so many moments in this season alone that I remember already and look back I'm like that was really cool I, I'd love to watch that again 
this is going to play better with second viewing. It's just like the second season of The Wire. It really is. Yeah. There's a lot of crap in the second season of The Wire that when I look think back on it, I'm like, that sucked. But then when I watch that season again, in the context of that show, the difference between those two shows, and there's a lot of comparison. I know everybody, everybody says about the season, it's like mm-hmm. the second season of The Wire. Season one of The Wire was not critically acclaimed when it came out. Well, no, I mean, har- hardly any. No one watched, watched The Wire at all. It wasn't until season three and four that people paid attention, so when they went back to watch it, there wasn't all this pressure for season two. The fact that season two even got greenlit is yeah. actually kind of amazing. Right. This is like one of the most popular season ones of a television show that HBO's ever made. So the the expectation was completely unreasonable. Well, let me ask you this: I mean, some, some inside baseball stuff. And I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I do. Want, I'm looking forward to going back and watching this in its entirety as an eight, eight and a half hour movie and really seeing some let stuff. Let me know. Let me I, know how that goes. <laughs> I, I do, but, I, but I, you can't. You, you can't see the scenes. I mean, I really do think that you know this whole auteur theory. Nick Pizzolatto could have used you know some producers and maybe a writers' room. He could use a writers' room with this one because to help him sort of flesh some of the stuff out. He could have used a little more time. I don't know. It's realistic to have the one director, the whole one director, one writer theory again that almost yeah. killed both of them in season one but it would be nice to have sort of one singular vision along with his singular vision I think that would be a good way to do it again it'll be interesting to see if they do a season three how they do that but um, overall it, it was ambitious ambitious stuff and you know and a really ambitious work and uh, they, everyone was trying really hard, including Vince Vaughn. And I, I kind of I, I liked uh, on the whole what I saw. Like you said, we can nitpick along the way as yeah. we did, but I think on the whole, I like it. I'm very interested to watch it again, see if it plays out how I feel on a second viewing, watching the whole thing back to back to back, yeah. um, as I did season one. Um, do we think that there'll be a season three? And if so, you know what? Do, do, do we want to see another single director? I mean, what do, what do you think, Joe? Do you want to uh, see a season three? Or are you like, I'm out of here. No, I, I, I don't. I, I, to me, I think uh, you know once, once you know. It, I would say Albert Pujols. It's like you know, once once you you know you, you pop and then and then you know sometimes you come down to earth a little bit and sometimes you rise back up from that and are and are, and are even better. I, I just think I, you know, like I said, there, there's there's characters I did not care about and and those were the four leads. And if I don't care about the four leads, there's probably something wrong with the writing. And 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 I don't I, like I said, first season. I agree with you. Best season of television in my in my, in my memory. I absolutely loved it. So for me, I think if uh, if HBO is going to run this back, I'm sure they're over there and 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 because they're very very, very, very smart guys and gals, and they're looking at, at the, the amount of press this is getting and the amount of backlash it's getting and the number the, of people. The ratings are through the roof. Yep. I mean, the, the so, chatter is the same, It's even mm-hmm. if it's not as, like, you know, right. it's not King, as effusive, rabbit right. hole, but it's still, people are still talking people about are talking it, about it. like, talking bad so, about it. I think there's no question there's going to be a season three, but I, I imagine there will be an adult in the room for season three. I would imagine they're going to structure it differently. They're not going to give them a blank check like they gave them this time. But, you know, giving somebody a blank check with deadlines like this is, is a recipe for you know, for well, some. Well, I think I think Pizzolatto may get it. I mean, it, I don't want to blame him because I feel no, like HBO, I, it's a tough I feel like HBO kind of like forced this on him as well, like get this done really fast. But at the same time, it's like now we know it doesn't work. So like, let's give the guy some more time or some more help or yeah. some, something. Yeah, Julia. Sure. Oh, I absolutely have no doubt that there will be a season three, and right. I will be sitting in front of my television every Sunday, excited to see what happens every totally. single episode. Right. Um, and I agree with you guys. Season one was just stellar television. Um, and you know, I was let down this season. I just feel like it was just too—it was just too much. He tried to do too much, and I need—I need a little bit more focus next time, please, Nick, if yeah. you're listening. Here's a question Sorry. for you guys. HBO has made uh, a lot of money off of producing films and, and optioning films off of their most popular television shows, mm-hmm. most notably Entourage recently. Oof. 
Do you think it's possible? <laughs> made, made a lot of money. Do you think it's possible that they would they would hire a director and a writer to make a two and a half hour True Detective brand movie and it would be a crime movie and it would make a ton of money? Not without, not without Pizzolatto. I mean, they wouldn't hire another director besides him. But maybe they writer. would. Do you think? How likely do you think it is that like eventually we would see a movie made out of the series? Well, I think that that's that, that's a possibility. But you know, to your point, HBO's never done that with with, with, with Sex and the City. They they kept you know, those Darren Star with uh, you know it was Doug Ellen with with Entourage. So if they do it, they don't like abandon the, the creator. So Pizzolatto will be involved. The question is, who will be the director? I'd much rather see a Pizzolatto written, directed, you know, soul directed two hour movie, a two and a half hour movie. Um, I, just because I, if I have, only have two things to compare. He did it once with one director; it was great. Did it once with five directors, eh? You know, in a short timeline. Yeah. So, with, with a lot of time and one director, I think that he could it could be amazing. You yeah, know, sure. with, with not a lot of time and a bunch of directors, it's what you get. But, but and then the actors were great, but not enough. I don't know, Joe. Well, let me ask you this, then we'll get out of here. If who who do we want to see? Do we want to, what actors would we like to see? Like do a true detective? Like just just give me give me two or three who we'd like to see. I want Tom Wilkinson involved. Okay. Um, I want Fastbender involved. Ooh, Ooh. Fastbender would be great. Yeah. I love me some Fastbender. Me too. Fast he's one of, my, one of my male crushes. Along with, uh, he's everywhere now, but I, you know, I'm a big, um, oh my god, I forgot, I forgot his name. Hardy? Tom Hardy? No, Hardy's uh, good too, but, uh, what's my man, um, movie. Oscar, um, Ex Machinima, Lloyd oh, Davis, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, Oscar Isaacs. Thank Oscar you. Isaacs, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge oh, Oscar Isaacs guy. Right, I will watch anything cool. that guy is in right now. And he, oh, he's actually doing an HBO show right now. He's doing the David Simon show. Mm. So anyway, I would love to see. You know who I'd actually really like to see, even though I feel like his star has kind of fallen. But I think it would be so good if you put him in would be Don Cheadle. Cheadle. I'd love Don Cheadle, Michael Fassbender, and Tom Wilkinson. I like that. No women. Mm. You piss a lot of woman hater. No, <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I have to think a little yeah. bit. Jules, anybody? Just Chastain. Oh, okay. a lot of Just funny because the only two people that survived this time were the two women. Exactly. Do you think he did that on purpose I'm as like sure a shout did. out to his critics? He Maybe. did. Hey, look, like, I think, let him live. You think I hate Aren't women? I'm such a nice guy. I killed all the men. I love ladies. Here they go. And they got a baby. <laughs> Boom. Oh yeah, and they reproduce. <laughs> Although the baby's a boy. Yeah, so. way to go. Hate women. Um, <laughs> <you>? <laughs> oh God, I have no idea. I haven't even thought about it. Um, I love the idea of Fassbender. Someone uh, said Michael Sarah. <laughs> like, no, please. Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Sarah, and Michael C. What Hall. about a little Cranston? Brian <laughs> Cranston? Brian Cranston. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. That that'd would be, be a good popular. one. Find a way to put find a way to put Julian Moore in the show. I'll be yes, yeah. oh, she's, she's okay. Super I'm watchable. in for All her. Right. Right. Daniel Craig, Tom Hardy, Julian Moore. Ooh. Oh, Daniel Craig, look Ooh. at you. Ooh. Drops the mic. That's all right. Good night, Wisconsin. Ooh. All right, guys. Ooh, well, um, I think that's it for us. That was that was um, that was for our, 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 so our much. prediction Appreciate part. It. Uh, that's it. That's eight and a half hours. I'm going to watch it again back to back. Um, Damn right. I think that's it. Do you guys want to come over and watch this? What do you, yes, no? you too. Oh, I'm going to be a little bit late, but what time? I'll, I'll get there. You get up eight hours, 26 minutes? <laughs> yes. Uh, Flip, any, any last words on... Um, nope. No? Got nothing really. You really hate No, I didn't hate the season. I just... I, you know what, what ladies say? What do women say? The number one thing they like in men. Sense of humor. Okay. So no, don't, don't say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. It's like, I don't know. What do we ladies say, Flip? You tell uh, me. What I've been told is a sense of humor. Now it's because I uh, allegedly have one. Where can the people find you, Joe? Uh, at, at, uh, you can find me at Joe Flippo, J O E F L I P O. Got it. 
Me? Julia. Oh, yes. uh, Twitter I, and Instagram. Yeah, Twitter. Name. That would be important to know <laughs> that. You can my name Julia Carely. J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. Thank you, Mr. Ben Bateman. Ben Bateman Media, Twitter and Instagram. I just wanted to thank you guys for bringing me on this yes, panel. Yes, yes, I love being a part of it. And thank I, you for coming. You're awesome. Here. No. It's my favorite show on TV, so to get to do it and, and talk to I hope I did a good enough job for the fans out there. I tried my best. I loved it. I want to come back. Oh, so. look at you. I'm Joe Braswell, and I great to have you here. And we'll next season, if there is a season, we'll all be here every time. Yes, no we'll phones, no thing. We'll all be here. And uh, thank you. I'm Joe Braswell at Joe K Braswell, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. We will see you all next year. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. It has his head off. Uh, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 